Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Last week, how many remember the title of my message? (laughs) Students of the Word. My message was entitled, No More More Students of the Word. Amen. No more to what? No more shame. No more sorrow. No more sin. Now, when you read those things, it's great in principle. But realizing it in our lives... To feel the release of that shame. To be freed from the sorrow. And to walk in victory over sin. That's really what I was emphasizing. And what Scripture says is possible and ordained and allocated for us because of the cross. But it's important to understand that you will never find lasting peace if you carry the chains of unresolved guilt. And that's important. Sometimes people have received Christ. They've committed their lives to Christ. They're looking to live for Christ. They're giving it their all. But yet they can't shake free of that guilt. Every time they begin to pray, they find themselves asking for forgiveness for the same thing over and over because of the guilt that just won't leave go of their emotions, their conscience. As a Christian, it's imperative that we recognize who we are so we can be empowered to move on from what we were. Did you hear that? We say it this way. As a Christian, when you recognize who you are, it will empower you to move on from what you were. God doesn't want us harnessed, harassed, or tormented by things of the past. He doesn't want certain sins to almost become a part of our DNA, if you can think of it that way, to where, well, there's us, there's our love for God, but there's this one thing. It's been years, I just can't see to beat it. Listen, that's not part of our heritage. It's not part of our destiny. And most important, it's not part of Jesus. Everything that is applicable about Jesus if you know and love the Lord and committed your life to Him, is applicable for you. This is the miracle of what it means to be born again. Sometimes they, people hear the term born again. We've heard it so much, it's almost been ingrained and, and it becomes mechanical. We just say, I'm born again, I'm born again. But to be reborn means we're brought from a state of death to life. And every single one of us, because of the choice that was made at the very beginning by Adam and Eve, Eve, we are born spiritually dead. And when we commit to Christ because He conquered sin, death, and the grave, when we commit our lives to Him, we're resuscitated. We're brought back to life. Think about it. If you're a parent... And if your child was to to cease to exist, if they died in your presence, wouldn't you want someone to resuscitate, to restore their life? That's my son. That's my daughter. Somebody help, please. God heard the cry for help. And that's why Jesus came. He was the EMT. He was the first responder. The only one that was equipped to deal with that kind of a spiritual situation. And because of what he did, he resuscitates anyone spiritually, brings them back to life spiritually, anyone that will call upon his name. And the response to that resuscitation, when someone comes to find Jesus, that's when God the Father is able to reclaim a son reclaim a daughter having lost a child i get it but can you imagine god the father when he saw he had lost the offspring of adam and eve and that's why jesus came there was no one that could fix the problem so he came god himself incarnate conceived without sin born without sin living without sin 
and dying without his own personal sin, but yet taking on the sin of the world so that we could be resuscitated spiritually, brought back to life. He could reclaim his sons and his daughters. And that means you. That means all of you watching online. You're a child of the King if you love Jesus. If you've not yet re- committed your life to Him, you can do that before the end of this service. But bottom line is, as a child of God, God takes care of His children. And that's why once we come to know Him, the ability to change is possible. There are so many people, they say, why even try? I, I can't beat this thing. I can't change. It's just who I am. That is a lie that the devil has been instilling within the hearts and minds of people since the very beginning. I can never change. I can never work. I I can never be productive. Listen to me. All things are possible, not because of you, but because God has made them possible through Jesus. And it's salvation that brings this transformation. What does salvation do? It makes us, the title of my message, like him. Like Him. How, wanna be, how many want to be just like Jesus? You want to exude His strength, His fortitude, His tenacity, His love, His grace, His mercy, His discipline, His anointing. How many of you want to display those aspects in your life? I know I do. And because of what Christ did 2,000 years ago, we can be like Him. What does that mean? We can be holy. Sometimes people say, like, man, what's wrong with me? Well, God knows what's wrong, and that's why Jesus came. He came to make it right. He will make you holy. He will make you powerful. Sometimes individuals have said to me, Pastor, I, I, I just feel like I'm powerless. And I say, stop talking like that. What is God? What does the Word say about your life? Salvation makes us like Him, makes us holy, makes us powerful. Makes us effective. It transforms the way we live. You see, it's more than just getting born again. That's the starting point. But as we begin to grow in that knowledge and understanding, yes, we're like Him, but then we start doing like Jesus did during His earthly walk. That's when we find ourselves going from weakness to strength. From ineffectiveness to effectiveness. From faithlessness to faith. And you'll find when we are stretched and when that building and that transformation happens, it happens when we're challenged. In seasons when my health has been under fire, that's when God has strengthened my faith to believe for healing. When my finances have been under fire, God has strengthened me to believe that He supplies all of our needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. We need to stop looking at things as if it's inevitable the worst is going to happen. Listen, the faithful don't live by Murphy's Law. Some people are saying, what is Murphy's Law? That is the beauty of Google. The just live by faith. So when you are under fire, do you know that's your opportunity to stretch your faith? To step out and be like Jesus? Like Peter when when he saw Jesus walking on water? He said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come. Peter stepped out. So many times people emphasize that Peter began to sink. But he didn't sink at first. He stepped out and for a moment, a learning moment, a stretching moment, a strengthening moment, He stepped out and he was able to even defy the laws of nature by walking on water. Yes, he took his eyes off, but he learned never to do that again. When we are under fire, that's when we learn how to live and to be like him. The Apostle John, he references this in our text this morning, 1 John. Chapter 3, verse 2. Look at it with me. John says, Beloved, we are, present tense, we are God's children. And then notice I've, I've put it in caps now. So it's not future, 
For those who have committed their lives to Christ, we are God's children now. And then I love the hope that's interwoven here. He continues by saying, and what we will be has not yet appeared. That means you're a work in progress. You're God's child right now. But He's not done with any of you. He's not done with me. Those of you worshiping online, He's not done with you. You can't even comprehend the things that God's going to do in you and through you. You're called for a purpose. You're not insignificant. God knows you. He knows me. Every one of you who was a parent, do you know your children by name? I had a family that we were friends with growing up. The uh, husband and wife who were the parents of 13 children are now with the Lord. But they knew every one of those children by name. They would call them out and not have to say, did I miss anyone? God the Father has quite a large family list, doesn't he? But he can call us all out by name. You know why? Because you matter. You matter. The family matters, but each family member matters as well. John says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be, that work in progress, has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears... We shall. We will. That word shall is even more emphasizing. It's, it's a word that's used in a legal document to be considered legal and binding. We shall be like Him because we will see Him as He is. Do you know the closer we get to the Lord, the more we see Him as He is? We see His glory. We behold His majesty, His love, His grace, His mercy, His patience for us. Aren't you glad God's patient? And, and, and as we take and we comprehend, yes, this can also be applicable to the when, when we're actually with the Lord. But it's a day-to-day revelation. Constantly we're being transformed as well. And so when we understand that, that we will be like Him. God is wanting us to go from glory to glory, revelation to revelation, so that we become so absorbed by our identity in Christ, in Him, that we're like Him. So that it is so encompassing, engulfing to us. Then when something is contrary, whether a thought that invades our minds, whether an outward temptation, whether someone stating an opinion, but that opinion goes against the written word of God, we are so absorbed in His presence because every day, moment by moment, we're becoming more like Him. That we are quick to distinguish, quick to discern, and not be deceived by many of the ploys and schemes that Satan is just tossing out. Not only to the unsaved, but there are many Christians who are being ensnared by wrong narratives. God wants His people to know who they are, but we can never know who we are until we know who He is. And He says we are like Him. But being like Him plays out in three areas that I want to emphasize this morning. Which means, first, if we're like Him, that means we're created like Him. Turn in your Bibles and look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Now, in Scripture, when the term man is used... Its application here is that of a species, but not just any species. The only species that is created in God's image. No other part of creation, no other animal. The fowls of the air, the fish that swim in the salt and the fresh waters, the insects. No other part of creation was created in the image of God other than man. And man as a species created in the image of God represents man in two genders, male and female. So when we understand that, then that means that God has made both men and women in His image to reflect His likeness. That means we look like Him. Now, if you look at the person behind you, front of you, left and right of you, you'll say, You know, they look like Jesus. Everyone is of such a different outward appearance. 
It's not about outward appearance, but rather the inward spirit that gives us the ability to connect with God who is spirit. Now, when you think about even a redeemer that had to come to redeem not only mankind, but one day even the earth is going to be redeemed. Amen? Amen. Now, when God sent his only son, ask yourself, why did he choose to take on the form of a man, a human being, rather than taking on the form of an animal, an insect, a plant, or any other living thing to atone for sin? The answer is simple. They are not created as spiritual beings. God is spirit. We are created with body, soul, and spirit. That's why when some of you who are pet owners, when you get home after service today, when you walk in, you won't see your pets watching the live stream and maybe the worship is playing. All of a sudden you see their paws lifted towards heaven, giving praise to Almighty God. Why? They don't even comprehend that because they do not have a spirit. They are body and soul. Dichotomy. But only human beings are body, soul, and spirit. We're made in the image of God to have relationship with God. And why is the spirit part so important? Because spirit, capital S, speaks to spirit, little s, us. When Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well, they began to have a dialogue about worship. And then she began to expound on the temple and where to worship and tried to give God himself a, a teaching in theology. And then Jesus, he begins to bring her into alignment with what is real truth. And he says to her, God is spirit, capital S. And those who worship him must worship in spirit, little s, and truth. Spirit connecting with spirit. When you all came to the Lord, those of you watching online, when you encountered Jesus, something happened inside. Something in your heart that quickened your mind and emotions to want to make things right between you and the maker of, this, of the world and the universes, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Something happened that made you desire to have a relationship with him. I remember when that happened to me. I had been to church many times. But then one Sunday when the Holy Spirit came upon me, I wasn't going to church anymore. I became the church. I became part of his family. I became the beginning stages like him. And he's been working on me every day since, just like he's working on all of you. But I'm glad he loves me enough to mentor me, to shape me. And do you know he's doing the same for you? If you'll let him. If you'll let him. Spirit speaks to spirit. You see, mankind was created... Not only so God could speak with us, but spirit connecting with spirit, what does it foster? Relationship. There's one worship song I love, a friend of mine who wrote the song, I'm a Friend of God. It just touches my heart every time I hear it. That was written from what Scripture spoke about, you know, in the Bible, that Abraham was a friend of God. Do you know you're a friend of God? Do you love Jesus? That he's your friend. If some of you even watching online, if you've never made a commitment to Christ, maybe you've not stepped into that friendship yet, but he, he's saying, would you be my friend? He desires to be a friend of all people. We're created to be a part of his family. You're one of his sons and daughters. He's waiting for you to say yes to the rescue that's been made available through Jesus. And when that transformation, that salvation takes place, because we're created like Him, do you know that is when humans are brought to life. They're brought to this new place of intimacy, and we actually become God's dwelling place. We become God's temple. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians six nineteen: Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. Salvation resurrection restores our spirit so that the Holy Spirit of God can take up residence within us. Do you know in the Old Testament, not one of the Old Testament saints, not one of the prophets, 
None of those great leaders, nor Moses, Daniel, on and on, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, all of the great men and women of God, Deborah, who was a judge over the nation of Israel, none of the great men and women of God, and even those that are never named, but yet they walked with relationship with God, none of them had the Holy Spirit living within them. None. Why? Because that spirit part of them had not been yet restored, brought back to life, reborn. And so Jesus references this when he talks about how once he goes to the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete, will be poured out on the church. And once that outpouring takes place, Jesus said, he'll not only be with you, but he'll be in you. Christ in you, Paul says, the hope of glory. How does Christ reside within us? The Holy Spirit. He takes up residence. When we commit to Jesus, He cleans up that dead spirit. We're brought back to life. It's like when Ezekiel prophesied over the valley of dry bones. Hallelujah. God prophesies over us because of His Son, Jesus. And then He brings life where there was death. The impossible becomes possible. All because of Jesus. Hallelujah. He resurrects and restores our spirit, which allows the Holy Spirit to reside in us so we can enjoy relationship with Almighty God. Your spirit connecting with God's spirit, created like Him. Which means if you were created like Him, do you know what else is true? You're also anointed like Him. Many of us hear the word anointing. The anointing is imperative for successful ministry, and let's remove ministry, for a successful walk with God, even personally and individually. Scripture brings out in Isaiah, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Without the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence, without being born again so the Spirit of God can come up and take residence, and we become the temple of God, the dwelling place of God, the residence, the house of God. That's why I never refer to a church as the house of God. Christians are. This is a house of praise. This is a house of worship. But the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in brick and mortar. He dwells in people. Somebody say amen. Amen. And when He dwells within us, everything that is true of the Holy Spirit comes with Him. Do you know the earthly life of Jesus? He could not have done anything that He did had the Holy Spirit not indwelt Him. Do you know when He took on human form... He placed constraints upon himself. Oh no, he he can do everything. Well, one of the attributes of God, he's omnipresent, correct? But when Jesus took on earthen form, he was no longer, as God the Son, omnipresent. God the Father still was. God the Holy Spirit still was. But Jesus placed himself within limitations, human limitations, and constraints, because he was going to set the precedent, he was going to be the tip of the spear to show us what we can do then, once his plan is fulfilled, if we will come to that rhema, that understanding, that revelation, that real sense of knowing with intimacy of what it means to be like him. And when Jesus performed every miracle, he had to depend on the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, that when he laid hands on the sick, that they were going to recover. He had to exercise the gift of faith, just like us. In fact, Jesus moved in every single one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit during his earthly walk. And so when you look at him, he had to trust he had to place, he had to place confidence in his heavenly Father that when he was obedient, the works that he was doing, not for his own name's sake, but for the name of the Father, that God would show up faithful on his behalf. When he allowed himself to be brutally beaten and tortured and then crucified, he had to exercise faith, stepping into something he had never known. Death. That on the third day, 
he would be resurrected to newness of life and pave the way so that all of the spiritual offspring that would follow him, that's you, me, every saint from the resurrection of Christ to the end of time could have the confidence that just as Jesus rose victorious over sin, death, and the grave, now that, that is our spiritual inheritance as Christians. No more sorrow. No more shame. No more guilt. Sin no longer has the final word in our lives. That's why we can believe what Jesus says, whom the Son sets free. is free indeed. But if we don't know why we're like Him, then Satan will continue the infiltration of narratives that are contrary to the promise of God, the Word of God, to blind us from the truth of God. And then people will continue, as usual, even though there is such a bountiful inheritance waiting to be accessed. The anointing is what enables us to tap in to that resource. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is speaking. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, the third person of the Trinity living in you. You see, the Holy Spirit lives within us so He can live through us. But not just for our own gain or our own agendas. But He lives in us to live through us so that just like Jesus, we're advancing God the Father's agenda. Some people say, well, what about my agenda? Here's the, here's the answer to that. When we put God's kingdom above ours, God will supply for our kingdom. If we place His business above our own business, He will take care of our business. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these things will be added. When we allow anything to substitute in place of God's priorities for our lives as believers. When all of a sudden prayer is substituted by other self-helps. When time in the Word is replaced with the latest bestseller. When times of worship as a family, God wants His family together. But when we allow other things to steal and rob time that God says, that's your first fruits to me. That's our family dinner. That's when we gather with your brothers, your sisters. When we begin to allow substitutes to replace God's priority, then what happens is we weaken our self-awareness of the resource and the blessing that's ours. We weaken ourselves even spiritually to where a spiritual malnutrition will settle in and then our strength level is depleted and like Samson, we don't even know The anointing has departed. And then when calamity hits, just like the parable of the two builders, the rains, the one who built on the rock, made it through the storm. But the one who took and built on the sand, it was devastating. We can't control when the storms come. In fact, you'll find the devil comes unannounced. That's always his strategy. But when we have built and prepared and positioned ourselves in advance, when we know we have the whole armor of God on, we've clothed our minds with the helmet of salvation. And when the devil comes and tries to tell us we're still in bondage, we're not forgiven, we're not free, this is just who you are, your great-grandfather was that way, your grandfather was that way, your father was that way, you're no different and your sons will be the same way. When we are prepared before the storm, no one tries to repair a leaky roof in the midst of a hurricane. You'll be blown off and hurt, possibly lose your life. You don't prepare in the midst of the storm. It's prior. And when we are feeding that anointing because the Holy Spirit lives within us, we're like Him, created like Him. We're anointed like Him. Then what we're doing, we are preparing For that time of battle. And when everything is said and done. And the smoke clears. Like an old Clint Eastwood Western. Finally. You'll still be standing. And the enemy will be defeated. 
you will have gone the distance by keeping the Lord first. You see, we're like Him, created like Him. We're anointed like Him. We can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. When's the last time? And I don't say this with condemnation, but in encouragement. When's the last time you prayed for the sick? I mean, not just over the phone, but go lay hands on someone. See what God will do as you step out, just like Jesus did. When he prayed for the blind and their eyes were restored. Remember when he had to pray for the blind man two times? Two touches. Then after the first touch, the man couldn't see prior, but then he says, why? I see men like trees walking. It was blurry. There was no detail. Now, Jesus could have said, well, that's good. He was blind before. You know, praise God. Just thank God. At least you can see men who look like trees walking. He didn't say that. He said, come here. And a second time he prayed. He laid hands. Then the man said, now I see all things clearly. God wants to meet our needs. He wants us walking in that freedom, in that confidence. Man, I, I tell you, I want to know when I pick up a promise of God and have to exercise it against an attack of the enemy on my family, on me, whatever, on this church, I want to know when I pick up the weapons of my warfare that aren't carnal, but they're mighty through God, I want to know that they work. And as I am constantly in law enforcement, in our military, they have to constantly go and they have to requalify at the shooting range. Not that they should always have their, 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 their arms out or their weaponries out, but if a time of trouble which demands more excessive protection, then they already know that they are prepared for that assault. They are prepared for that moment. And we as believers, we don't live expecting the worst, but as, as we continue to be in His presence and we are making sure we are qualified. I've been to the shooting range. Hallelujah. I was praying in the Holy Ghost. I was reading Scripture. I was speaking Scripture out loud. I was thanking God for who I am. And I, and, and I was declaring that over my children and my children's children. As we are constantly in that position, releasing protection, then we are preparing before the day of trouble comes. And Paul said in Ephesians 6, when the day of evil comes. So you can't live in this world and, and not have confrontation. But it's how we prepare in advance. Look at the anointing that 72 that Jesus sent out had. They went out and they came back rejoicing. Why? Because they went into the region of Capernaum to preach the gospel and the results they experienced were overwhelming. It says in Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Do you know they're subject to you in the name of Jesus as well? I believe with all of my heart because we are living more and more in a godless society, not just as it's progressing in this nation but around the world, a lot of what is being identified as mental illness, and I do believe in mental illness, and I do believe there can be physiological problems that can cause things to transpire in a person's life. But I also believe there's a lot of misdiagnosis that are demonically influenced. And when we understand that people need more than just psychological therapy, but there may need to be strongholds broken in that broken life so that when the stronghold is broken, the broken are restored like the demoniac at the gathering tombs. He was naked, unclothed, cutting himself with stones, he was violent against people, couldn't be contained. And then one moment in the presence of Jesus, Jesus didn't take him through psychotherapy. Jesus delivered him from a stronghold. You'll find once you break the stronghold, then all of the other lies that have infiltrated a, a, a broken life and that have caused, stronghold, caused strongholds in the mind, once the life is free spiritually, then it's easy one by one to pull off the layers that have held them captive psychologically. You see, we need to treat the body, the soul, and the spirit. Does that make sense to anybody today? And when we realize we're anointed like Him, God can even use us. My goodness, preachers can't get into every highway and byway. 
It's the body of Christ, the 72. They weren't apostles. They weren't prophets. They weren't, weren't evangelists. They weren't teachers. They were just simply disciples. And they went out and demonstrated great authority. And that same is still true for you and for me. We are anointed by Jesus. This is why you can proclaim no more shame, no more sorrow, no more sin. It's all about who, all caps, is living on the inside. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What was Paul saying? Who I was before Christ, an offspring of Adam, ensnared by sin, spiritually dead. When I gave my life to Christ, that old man, Paul references him that way in Scripture as well, that old man, the spirit of Adam, that was nailed to the cross. When that old man, that that old spirit, who I was before Jesus, that dead spiritual part of my life, when that was nailed to the cross, so was every sin attached to it. So is the guilt, the shame, the sorrow, every bondage, every ensnarement. It was nailed to the cross. And Paul had a lot of regrets. And many of his epistles were how the Holy Spirit encouraged him, and he used that to encourage others. And one of the things he said is what we just read. Hey, what I was died when I committed to Jesus as Messiah on that Damascus road. My sin was nailed to the cross. That's dead. And I don't live any longer. But I've been brought back to life. Jesus was my EMT, my first responder. He met me personally. And spiritually, I was renewed. I was born again. And when I rose into newness of life, then everything that is true of the character and spiritual DNA of Jesus is true of me. I can let go of the guilt and the regrets. Can't change that anyhow. What's done is done. But I can embrace a new future because of a new anointing, a new life. I'm just like Jesus. He said, the same Holy Spirit who lived in Jesus during His earthly existence lives in me. And that's true for all of us. And this will change the way you live. Sometimes people say, man, I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. If you really prepare for battle, if you really embrace His likeness and His anointing, and you feed yourself spiritually, you're really going into His presence. I've got to tell you, for those of you who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, use your prayer language. During worship, I pray in tongues. When I'm alone, I pray in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because something happens when I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. I've faced many battles, and every time I have found, especially when I pray in the Holy Ghost, there's an anointing that rises up, an authority that's released. When I spend time in the Word, the Word comes alive, and it's astounding to me. Now I expect it, but in the very beginning stages of my growth, it's astounding how what I will read and absorb from the Word of God that morning or even that night later when I'm reading, spending time again, it will play out and be accessible and necessary with something that will transpire in my routine that day. And God, by the Holy Spirit, just by absorbing, hungering, and thirsting for His Word, will use what I received to protect me and to bless someone else because of the anointing. When we feed the anointing, whatever we feed will grow. Amen? Being like Him. Hallelujah. See, when we understand we're created like Him, that's a new identity. What you were, that's, that's in the past. Forgetting, as I said last week, those things that are behind. But embracing who you are now. you got to believe it or not. And I choose to believe. And when we believe that, then the anointing it's accessible because God equips us just like He did His Son so that we can do what Jesus did so that we don't have to be overcome by whatever the snare is that comes against us. 
And if we miss the mark, the one thing I have found, be teachable. There are many times God will come to me and say, Craig, and you know what I say? Thank you, Lord. No excuses. If we want to grow, thank Him. Thank Him. We all have blind spots. The Holy Spirit will point them out when we pray so we can make it right. And sometimes God will place people around us so that we can see what we personally don't see and that helps us to become more like Jesus. And that increases then the ability of the anointing to have freedom in us and then the ultimate purpose through us. You're one of the 72. You're going to go out, lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. You'll see demons. When's the last time you prayed over someone that was demonized? Pastor, we're not going there. Now, I'm not saying we should look for that. But honestly, if a need arises, like Paul says, we're instant, in season, and out of season. You see, when we get to that place where we have prioritized the Lord in our lives, that's when we stop doing things our way. And that's what enables God to have His way in our lives. Praise the Lord. And this is when people start living or they begin to live like Him. A changed life changes lives. That's what we're about. We're about impacting and affecting others. Making a difference. You'll find that when our lives is changing, it produces results. It, it bears fruit. Good fruit. Good results. And results and fruit, it speaks. Remember when John the Baptist was imprisoned, he was awaiting death. His, his purpose, his ministry had been fulfilled. Remember when the, the, some people came to John, they said, are you the Messiah or should we look for someone else? And he said, I must decrease and he must increase. So John understood his purpose. And he knew that his time had been fulfilled preparing the way for Messiah. But John was human, just like all of us. And so there he is sitting in prison. And it wasn't really, I believe, as much about doubt and unbelief as John because he was so passionate for God. He wanted to make sure he had done all that he was supposed to have done. So he sends two of his disciples to Jesus from that prison. They go to Jesus and they said to him, are you the one to come or should we look for another? And Jesus simply responded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 22, this way. He replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. See, John the Baptist, imprisoned and awaiting death, but he wanted to know, had I completed what God had called me to complete? And Jesus simply responded with the fruit his ministry was bearing, results. Paul talks about this same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. He says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration, everybody say demonstration, in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You see, some of the greatest revivals that have swept across the four corners of this earth didn't come in a spectacular arena. Not that God couldn't do that. And it didn't come by someone that was necessarily eloquent in speech. But God can use that too. It didn't come from a spectacular gathering of musicians that helped to so wonderfully prepare the way for the word to be spoken. But God does do that. The greatest revivals we have seen have come from what the world would deem as unqualified. But yet God moved. Why? Because it's not about how qualified you are. It's about whether you know Him or not. It's about understanding I'm like Him. And even though my name may never be known in the mass media and around the nations, my name is known by God. And He can use 
me. That's the gospel. People touching people. That's what it's all about. But if we don't come to that understanding that we're like Him, we're created like Him, we're anointed like Him, and that we can live like Him, then we live in survival mode. Yeah, every time we come to church, I just got to get something so I can make it till next week. Whereas God wants to come and fill us so He can use us between then and the next Sunday to make a difference in somebody else. And instead of us surviving, we are literally becoming the devil's worst nightmare. We are impacting and changing lives. People touching people. Because we are like Him. Jesus Christ, He came to repair the breach. Remember this Hurricane Ian that just hit? I think it was Amelia Island down in Florida where the bridge that reaches from the mainland out to the island, about center, the entire bridge was just wiped out, taken out. So it's impassable. People on the island can't get out unless they go by boat or, or, or some type of a, of a water plane. And people on the mainland can't get there unless they use the same availabilities, helicopter even. So until that breach is repaired, their supply and demand, their resources are gravely challenged. And do you know spiritually when Jesus came, when Adam and Eve had made that decision, they had disrupted that connectivity between us and God, man and God. And then when Jesus came, the cross became that repair to connect the mainland to the island, the people to God. And by Him coming and giving His own life, now we're restored, we're renewed, we're born again. We have access now to everything that God has made available. Doing the right thing will empower us to do all things. Let's personalize it. Doing the right thing will empower you to do all things. Isn't that what Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So in closing, let me say this. Never allow who you were to define who you are. Stop believing every thought that infiltrates your thinking. Weigh every thought with the Word of God. Weigh every thought, every imagination against Scripture. That is our discerner. That is how we expose the lies that seek to steal, kill, and destroy. Weigh everything with the Word of God. And then use what God has given you. You're like Him. You're created like Him. You're anointed like Him. So you can live like Him. Exude a ministry like He exudes. Make a difference. See lives change. See the blessing of the Lord upon your life. And then people will see you and say, Man, I want the God you serve because I like the fruit that you bear. In Deuteronomy it says when we live you know, under His anointing, those that keep the law, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come and when you go. You'll still be in the battle. You'll still walk through things like everybody else does. But it won't have the same effect and impact on you as it does on others without faith. We have a hope this morning. Amen? And because of Jesus, and because of what He has made possible through the cross, we can live like Him. It's time to check out your spiritual DNA. Do you hear me? Years ago, I did a swab of my saliva and sent it to 23 in me. Came back with all these results and relatives all tied to my DNA. And I realized, you know, my connectivity to people I had never met. Do you know, just as we have a physical DNA that connects us with family in the natural, we have a spiritual DNA that connects us with the entirety of the family of God, starting with Jesus. And when we understand we have His DNA, we understand that everything that's applicable of Him is true for us. 
then our only quest should be, as we're faithful with our responsibilities in life, is to find out what those benefits of our spiritual, spiritual DNA are and then draw upon them, exercise them, use them, and advance the kingdom of the Father. And in the process, we get blessed. We get blessed. God's Word proclaims that we are as Christians, created like Him, anointed like Him, so we can live like Him. And becoming like Him begins at salvation and then continues with relationship. Spending time. Guard your time. Guard your schedules. Guard that time in the Word. Guard that time in prayer. Guard your Sundays. The enemy will take everything we give to him. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, give no place to the devil. The devil doesn't have anything unless someone gives it to them. And as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Tonight, we're de- Today we're denying the devil and saying yes to Almighty God. Amen? It's time to say, I am like Him. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Father, we just thank You for Your presence in this house. We thank You for this Word. We thank You, Lord God, for our identity in Christ. And Lord, Your Word says we are like You. I just pray that there would be a revelation now. Take these words and cause them to ignite, to bring life. Lord, it's imperative to understand without this, there is no future. So Lord, start with us. Begin with us. Use us. Stretch us. Shape us. Mold us. Help us to discover our spiritual identity. Cause the Word of God to become alive. Come to us in dreams and visions. Come to us in prayer. But Lord, I pray for Rhema, for revelation, for your saints, that we are like Jesus. Lord, when we come to that place where we truly embrace and understand that, everything changes. Our health will change. Our finances, our families, everything will change. Our communities will change. Our hearts and minds and attitudes will change. Lord God, we pray. Revelation, Rhema. We are like Him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.